Good evening, and welcome to Health Beat, a program presented by WDIY and the Leonard Parker Pool Institute for Health. I'm your host, Greg Caponia, and I am joined by our co-host, Edward Meehan. Good evening, Greg. We spend much time explaining how we as a community can learn more about the social determinants of health as we chat with the stakeholders in this space. And tonight, we're pleased to welcome Deidre Vashier. Ms. Vashier is the CEO and president of Community Services for Children, a nonprofit organization dedicated to preparing young children and their families to succeed in learning and in life. Community Services for Children operates Pennsylvania's early learning resource centers throughout 17 counties in the Northeast and provides Head Start, Early Head Start, and Pre-K to more than 1,500 children and families in Lehigh and Northampton counties. Good evening, Deidre. Good evening. Thank you for having me. You bet. Deidre, when you, when you look historically at the services for local kids and families, how has the Lehigh Valley been doing? So historically, CSC has been providing services for more than 40 years. And I can say, truthfully, um, each year we've been able to increase the number of children that we're serving, uh, both from federal dollars as well as from state-funded dollars, and most recently the investment in the early Head Start, Head Start and Pennsylvania Pre-K Counts programs have allowed us to continue to serve additional children each year. However, we're never able to serve as many children as there are children who need and qualify for our services. Currently, we have more than 600 children on our waiting list just in the city of Allentown alone, and those would be children, really uh, prenatal moms through children who are the age of five who would be transitioning into kindergarten, and they're languishing on a waiting list without preschool services. Wow. So how do you determine who qualifies? You say you have 600 children uh, waiting right now. Absolutely. So for our preschool programs and our early Head Start programs, we're looking first at where do children live? Are they in Lehigh and Northampton County? And then we're really looking at income levels. Our children need to be at least 100% or below of the federal poverty level. Families that we serve are around 20000 making about $20,000 a year for a family of four, oftentimes less. But the most important piece is it isn't a first-come, first-served program. What we really are doing is we are measuring risk factors with children and families. And our goal is to make sure that we're serving the children who are most vulnerable in our community. So the children who are most vulnerable are those who are selected first in the program when we have space available. Ed, early childhood education is really important. I know you've got a lot of experience in this. Greg, you know, education is a really important determinant of health, and as we've discussed uh, on this program, uh, there are many factors that influence the health of a community. Uh, health care is important, but it, it, it attributes to about 20% of the health of a population. Many other things like housing, education come into play, and that's why it's so great that we have a chance to talk about that on this program. Education is really important. Uh, it, it, it greatly influences current health as well as future health. We're very interested, as many other people in the Lehigh Valley are, in the concept of a cradle-to-college or career approach. Uh, in other words, the idea that you'd really be thinking about the, 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 the educational uh, experience of students from when they first come into early childhood education uh, to all the way on to college or career. But the most important part of that for me is the very front end, the early childhood education. And it's, it's, it, I can't say enough about how important that is. 
Uh, I've seen it. We, there's, as Deidre says, there's 40 years of evidence for the success of it. Every, any way you slice it, and uh, it really it greatly influences the ability of families to uh, be able to overcome a lot of adverse situations currently. But it's a it's a it's a great jump for getting uh, children and their families ready for success in the long run in the future. And by the way, I um, I, I think we've talked about this, but. Uh, I remember when Head Start first came into being and uh, the buzz in my neighborhood about, you know, uh, younger brothers and sisters who were going to be eligible. And I remember it being such a big deal. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to work when I was uh, interning at Columbia Dental School with the uh, Head Start program on 145th Street and Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. And I saw firsthand just, you know, as a, as a, as a college intern, what a difference it was making in the lives of kids. So it personally, I, personally, I think uh, it's an extremely important thing, and the evidence points that out. Deidre, one of the things that I think might be helpful is, well, let me give you an example. Last night I was talking to somebody, and I said, we're going to do a show on early childhood education and talk about Head Start and things like that. And the person asked me that I was talking to said, I know Head Start's good, but what exactly do they do? For our listeners who don't know, please explain the history of Head Start. Absolutely. You know, Head Start is really our nation's premier early childhood program, and it has been around for more than 50 years. And the piece that makes Head Start so unique is not only are we working with our youngest, most vulnerable children, preparing them both for school readiness and life readiness, and that would include developing their language and helping them to get all of the foundation that they need to be good readers, supporting that cognitive development, helping them to be a, a good uh, community peer, to get along with their peers, to work with their teachers, to have all of the health and wellness and well-being that they need to be successful. But the piece that stands out for Head Start as being unique is that we're a two-generation program. So while educators are working with children in the classroom, we have folks who are experts in family engagement and family involvement working with families, helping them, setting them up for success, identifying the strengths of every family unit because they have them, helping them to build on those strengths so that they can be successful and they can support their child's success. And we believe by working with two generations, with the parents as well as with the children, empowering parents, engaging them, helping them to be decision makers, and really uh, supporting their families, we have ongoing long-term success. We're not changing just the trajectory for that child. We're changing the trajectory for that family. So when you say early childhood education, at what age are we starting? We're starting prenatally. We actually enroll pregnant moms because we know if we can get in there early, as early as we can, and we can help that mom get connected to prenatal health care, we can make sure that she's making all of the healthy choices that she can for that baby, that she is safe and stable, that she's got a great place to live, that she's surrounded with the supports that she needs. Once that baby enters into the world, they will have a wonderful foundation to start from. So we actually serve moms this, you know, as soon as they're pregnant. And the earlier on in their pregnancy that we can get involved, we really try to be there on site with them doing really weekly home visits um, with that mom to support her. Wow, so early childhood education 
or ECE as it's referred to, really starts with uh, um, a pregnant person. I, That's incredible. So, are we talk? Are we have we defined early childhood education, or are there things that we don't think about? Can you talk about that a little bit? some pieces that we don't think about. I think when we think about education, we think about what we learned in school as elementary and middle and high school students, or what maybe our own children learned in school. But in early education, we're thinking about the whole child. It's a holistic approach for us. It is their health care. Are they up to date with their immunizations? Are they well? Are they connected to a health care provider? Are they getting the nutrition access that they need? Are they nutritionally well? Are they getting three meals a day? Are those meals healthy? Are they getting what they need from a nutritional standpoint to support all of the brain development and physical development that happens from a child from the time they're born through their transition to kindergarten? We're also thinking about linking them to the social services. Do their families have what they need? Is it food access? Is it housing access? Is it support for substance use disorder? Whatever it might be, do they need connections to uh, mental uh, health services or perhaps developmental services? So for us, it's not just about what happens in the classroom. It's about every aspect of that child and supporting their growth and development holistically. We know that this is important, but can you talk about biological brain development? Absolutely. Uh, Children's brains develop, uh, 90% of it develops between uh, birth and the age of five. Uh, We talk about those early experiences and forming those synapses that make the connections in our brains. And when those connections don't form, you know, those dendrites, they're snipped off. Mm -hmm. So we lose them. And of course, we can absolutely form them later on through additional experiences. But the more that we can provide experiences high-quality education, safe, stable environments for children, the better off that brain development will occur. Uh, We talk about language development and what happens within those first three years of language development and helping children to develop what they need in order to both meet their needs and to communicate their needs. Um, And that really, that foundation happens by the age of six. So uh, it is important that we're getting in there and we're getting in there early because those foundations impact their learning for the rest of their life. Ed, when you look at the county health uh, rankings across the nation, how are we doing with early childhood education in the Lehigh Valley? As Deidre mentioned, uh, Community Services for Children Head Start's been active for 40-plus years in Lehigh Valley, and uh, she won't brag, uh, but I will. Community Services for Children is consistently considered one of the best Head Start organizations in the United States of America, and we're very lucky to have them. Uh, and uh, they, they do very, very well. How we're doing across the country uh, is, is really the ongoing challenge of saying, how do we provide quality early childhood education for all children? Uh, it's just uh, heartbreaking to realize that, we're, that, 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 you know, in Allentown alone, there are 600 kids who, who are eligible but don't have the services because of the lack of capacity and resources that we have. And if I may, uh, Greg, just... You know, when we talk about cradle to college or career, we want high school graduates who are ready for uh, an associate degree or getting ready for a four-year degree or getting ready to be gainfully employed and be a productive member of the community. Uh, In order for that to happen, they've got to graduate high school. In order for that to happen, they've got to graduate ninth, they have to pass ninth grade algebra. In order to pass ninth grade algebra, they've got to be on reading level in fourth grade. One of the best ways to get students on reading level in fourth grade 
for many uh, disadvantaged kids from disadvantaged families is to make sure they have quality early childhood education. So it really all starts there. Uh, I, I, Community Services for Children does an extraordinary job with what they have and what they have available, but there's just so much more to be done. Deidre, at what age do learning disabilities start to appear? Actually, we have children in our Early Head Start program who are diagnosed as being delayed very early on. We have children who receive early intervention services because they may have been prenatally exposed to substance um, you know, to substances in, in utero. So children can really come to us six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, already developmentally delayed and receiving then uh, early intervention services. We consistently see children, about 22% of all of the children that we're serving throughout our Head Start and Early Head Start program are children who are diagnosed with special needs and they do have an individualized education plan um, or an individualized family service plan and we're working close with our uh, special education folks to make sure that we're supporting their development. So it really can happen quite early on. About a month ago, I read a paper from, from a state that said that they went in and evaluated some of the inmate population in their prisons, and up to 40% of certain prisons had dyslexic inmates, undetected reading disabilities. Have you run into any kind of data like that? So I haven't run into any data regarding um, inmates in prison and dyslexia diagnosis because that does typically happen for dyslexia when children get into elementary school. But what we do know and what we have seen trend across the Lehigh Valley for us is I would say 15 years ago, 20 years ago, most of our children were speech and language delayed, meaning they really just needed speech and language um, services in order to help develop their area of delay. However, over the last decade, we have seen an increase in developmental global delay, meaning children aren't just delayed in the area of speech and language, but they have other delays that they need services for, and that could be occupational therapy. It also could be um, counseling services and mental health therapy. Uh, younger and younger, we're having children who are diagnosed with a mental health diagnosis, whether it's ADHD or oppositional defiance disorder or whatever it may be. Uh, we have children who very much are at risk, but this is what we know. We know that in early childhood, when we can get in there early and we can get those supports in place, we can help children make up those gains. And often children transition from our Head Start, Early Head Start program into kindergarten, and they no longer require an IEP. Or they already have services placed. So we're mitigating very early on the effects of those delays. And the other piece that we know is that when children receive a high-quality early education experience, they are more likely to graduate from high school. They are far less likely to be incarcerated. They are more likely to go on to college, to own homes, and to be uh, great citizens in their neighborhoods. So when, we, when you go home at night and you sit at the dinner table and you think to yourself, what's the, what's the number one issue? You say, wow, if we could just do this. Deidre, is there a silver bullet solution on this issue? Uh, is there one thing? I, I don't know that there is one silver bullet, to be very honest with you, but I will tell you that what I think about consistently is that uh, we cannot separate children from their families and families from their communities. 
so I think long and hard about how do we impact our community to make sure that the services and the resources and the supports are there for every family in that community to be able to then support every child in that community. You know, our long-term vision is engage communities where every child thrives and every family succeeds, but they can't do that on their own. It really does require a community-based intervention of multiple services thinking very holistically about the needs of the children and families that live within them. Ed, can you talk a little bit about adverse childhood experiences? What, is, what are they, and, and what is the effect in your experience? Yes, uh, adverse childhood experiences, uh, known as ACEs, uh, is a scale uh, that can be used to measure uh, whether someone has had uh, negative experiences in their childhood, uh, the things that have been you know, really, really bad influences on them, uh, and uh, the, the scale is a, is a 0 to 10, and the higher the score of, of adverse experiences that you've had, the higher the uh, risk you are for all kinds of bad things that can happen, health-wise, uh, criminal justice, etc. So, so uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a quick, uh, relatively easy scale to kind of measure uh, you know, what has happened in a, in a child's life. So we know that, that the experiences in early childhood really affect brain development and future function, and we know that there's a real association between those negative adverse ACEs scores and all kinds of things like risky behavior, uh, chronic diseases, uh, cancer, uh, coronary heart disease, generally because of, of, uh, of a lot of habits that the person might have. Low-income children from low-income and disadvantaged families are exposed to more ACEs, uh, adverse early childhood experiences, than, uh, than the general uh, group of families. Uh, and so it's really important to kind of have an understanding of just exactly what these students are again, up against. Uh, and it becomes an equity question. It becomes a, a question of saying, how do we, how do we uh, make sure that we are being hyper-aware of the fact that there are a lot of negative, bad things that have happened in this child's life? And how can we try to mitigate that a little bit? Early childhood, uh, participation in early childhood is one of those things. Deidre, a lot of things come back to asking for money or programs that provide funding for early childhood education. What's the financial impact when you invest in younger people or early childhood education? So, um, you know, most recent research really says that the return on investment is seven to one. So for every $1 you're um, investing, you're getting a $7 return. And that would be because children who are receiving very high-quality early education are less likely to need special education services when they get into their local school districts. They are less likely to need additional um, support as it relates to the pieces that Ed talked about around health and well-being. They are more likely to be healthy. They are more likely to graduate from high school. All of those pieces along the way where you would see uh, funding needed to be able to support a child in order for them to be successful, much of that is mitigated when they do have an early childhood education experience. I didn't expect such a definite Seven to one answer. That's uh, how, how is that determined, Ed? Those 
results are pretty consistent over the last several decades, and and uh, I, I mean, they're 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 economic uh, studies that have been done. I mean, this this isn't in the social services realm. This is this is uh, really uh, more hard, you know, hard data, and uh, and the outcomes measured as as Deirdre was mentioning, children who have been in Head Start uh, versus non uh, students who have not been in Head Start, and outcomes in terms of juvenile probation, incarceration. Uh, subsequent risky behavior, violence, uh, substance abuse, etc. So, you know, seven to one is not is really not surprising. I know uh, some folks like to pick at that number a little bit and say, well, you know, there's a great bump on the front end, but it washes out. That's not Head Start's problem. The problem is is that we have to have a consistent educational experience throughout cradle to college or career so that so that the gains made in early childhood can be sustained and 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 grown from there. Deidre, I would think that a seven oh one return on investment ought to be something easy to sell to somebody who's going to contribute money to early childhood development. What are some of the objections that you might run into or are there no objections? So I think uh, there are obviously competing needs. We know that our local K-12 system is typically underfunded. We understand that there are many community services and social supports that also require, whether it's taxpayer funding or donations, in order for them to continue their services. I think the other piece is that um, young children are often overlooked, and our history of early childhood education, while it may be you know 50 years in the making with Head Start, prior to that, children were at home home with their with typically their mother, um, and that's where their education started. So in order to help people to understand the importance of early childhood education, it also takes the research, which has just happened really in the last three decades, around why is early education important and how does that set up the foundation for all future success? And what does that mean for families, even for working parents, in order for them to be able to go out and to provide for their families, making sure that their children are in high-quality centers means that they're not worried about their children during the day and they have a stable place and a successful place to be while their families are out earning the income that they need to um, be able to provide for the family. So I think it's competing needs. I also think it is, um, you know, early childhood education in general has a much shorter history in our world and it's helping people to understand the importance of early care and education and what that can mean for the success of that child and the success of that family. Parents are the first good teachers, aren't they? That's absolutely, you know, that is a tenant of, of our Head Start approach and our approach really even in our early learning resource centers. When families come through the door, every family, you know, those the mom and dads or whatever primary caregiver is involved with that child, we recognize and instill that they are the first and most important teacher of that child. And we know that when we walk alongside them, partner with them, and help to identify the supports that they need to be successful, we're creating long-term success. Can you give me an example of some long-term success stories so people can visualize where you've taken somebody from the start and you know, watched them progress? Absolutely. We have a program called a Second Head Start, and this is where we're identifying local high school graduates who are heading off to college, and we're able to provide them with a very small scholarship. It's around $1,000 to $2,000 
but they were Head Start children. And that's our way of being able to honor their family's commitment to the Head Start program when their child was young and to be able to recognize that we have children in our community who are now heading off as high school graduates into their college programs and will be successful. Two were from Deerus High School this year, uh, and one was from Parkland, and they were previous Head Start students, and now they're heading off for as uh, freshmen into college and taking a few extra dollars from uh, community services for children to be able to support their next Head Start. Well, congratulations. I think that's something that we need to celebrate a little bit more. Absolutely. Deidre, I'd like to talk a little bit about your organization, Community Services for Children, what do you need right now? So for us, it really is about the funding supports that help us to serve children and families, to be able to have the funding that is required to not only serve the children that we're serving, but also to be able to expand our services for the children that are sitting on that wait list. Um, For us, it has typically been staffing, and uh, funding support as well as space support. And those three combined together for us as our greatest need. I think also, uh, just as you mentioned, you were speaking to a 62-year-old who had no idea what Head Start is. Community Services for Children is faced with that every day because if you're not a family utilizing our services, you often don't know what we're doing in the community, even if you see our name. So I think uh, helping the Lehigh Valley and even beyond understanding that community services for children is truly here to provide the very best services for our uh, youngest children, our prenatal to five children directly, as well as their families, and then to also support all families with young children in our early learning resource centers, getting them connected to not only early childhood education, but any of the additional supports the families may need. Greg, um, in, in, in a slightly different take from what Deidre's comment is, uh, you asked Deidre what, what community services for children needs. I would say, what do we need? What does the Lehigh Valley need? And I think everything that Deidre mentioned is so much of what we need. Uh, in order for our communities to be safe and healthy, we really need to think about quality early childhood education. 600 uh, children who are eligible in Allentown who are not enrolled in early, early edu- uh, quality early education. We see what that script looks like absent that experience for those, uh, for those kids. We can't afford to leave them behind. It's in our enlightened self-interest to pay attention to this. Uh, we applaud Community Services for Children for taking the lead on it. But it's not just what CSC needs. It's CSC on our, all, on our collective behalf. We, we've got to have it. Is there anything that local people can do to assist CSC? Absolutely. You can certainly be volunteers in the program. That's a very uh, excellent way to get involved. Um, We also accept donations, and that way we can funnel those donations right to the greatest need. If you go right to our website, which is www.cscinc.org, there is a place where you can find out more about community services for children and all that we're doing, not just in the Lehigh Valley but beyond. And there's also a place for you to be able to donate so that we can take those dollars and turn those into valuable services for children and families. So what would you say to a family that has, has children and they're not sure if they need your services but think they may? I would say give us a call. Uh, we have folks here who are speak many languages, English, Spanish, Arabic, whatever it might be, 
and we can work directly with that family to ascertain what their needs are and to help them to be able to see if maybe if they're not our services, are there other services in the community that can support them? And the phone number? 610-437-6000. And the web address again, please. www.cscinc.org. We've been speaking with Ms. Deidre Vashier, the CEO and President of Community Services for Children. I'd like to thank you very much, Deidre, for being on HealthBeat. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And of course, thank you, Edward, of the Parker Pool Institute for Health. Thank you, Greg. I'm your host, Greg Caponia, and you are listening to WDIY 88.1. Have a great evening.